What is up, Aspire Leaders? Welcome back and happy Saturday to you. I have the wonderful opportunity to speak with Mitch Weathers, the CEO and founder of Organized Binders. And today we're going to be discussing executive functioning skills and the profound impact it has on student success. So if you're passionate about fostering a supportive learning environment and empowering your students to reach their full potential, this conversation is for you. Mitch is going to talk through some practical strategies to nurture executive functioning skills, ensure that our students thrive in and out of the classroom, and share how you can play a pivotal role in enhancing student learning experiences. Before we jump into this conversation, though, I just want to let you know that the Teach Better team has every Tuesday morning an administrative mastermind. And what this is, is a way for administrators all across this country actually all across this world, get together, build community, and enhance our skills every single week. I have the wonderful opportunity to facilitate these conversations, and it is so powerful and uplifting after every mastermind session. So if you're looking to grow your support system, head over to teachbetter.com mastermind, sign up for free. It'll send you a link every single week for you to jump in and join the conversation. Hopefully, I will see you there on Tuesday, and we're going to dive into this conversation with Mitch as we're going to talk about executive functioning skills and his wonderful organization, Organized Binder. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I have the wonderful pleasure to have someone that I've had a great pleasure to get to know the last month, and he is just a phenomenal educator, person, and leader, and I I cannot wait for this conversation. Mitch, thank you so much for being on Aspire to Lead. Thanks for having me, Josh. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I want to know about your background, because you have such a phenomenal story of when you were a student and becoming an educator. I, I just... I feel like our stories are very similar and we have a lot of things mm. that are connected and I just can't wait for my audience to to hear a little bit about you and everything you've been through. Well, if you if you look at my bio, I kind of have some fun with it. It's definitely not a traditional bio, but I was always I would say school was not a comfortable place for me or a place that that I really felt natural and just kind of understood it. It was more the experience now looking back, like I kind of felt like school was happening all around me and I was present, but I would, I lacked the clarity or the know-how to like jump in with any sense of like agency or dexterity in my, on my journey. And if you fast forward from there to entering the classroom as a teacher, that was one of the first things I recognize like, oh, I know what you're feeling. I know what it's like to sit there and that kind of Ferrarian thought of like, you're a, you're a passive object, but you want to be a, you know, an active subject in your education. You want to jump in, but you don't know how, right? Um, and from there evolved a lot of the work that, that, that I do now with Organized Binder and the teaching of executive functioning skills and really recognizing in my own path. And unfortunately, I don't think until graduate school did I start to hone in on some of these, these skills, these, these executive functioning skills. 
and in talking to people, educators included in that, that's not an uncommon experience. Like I kind of figured out how to do it when I was in college or graduate school beyond. And so I, I really kind of got to work around that with my students, really helping them develop these skills within the context of what they're learning. And that's what's kind of tricky, right? As a teacher in the classroom, I have a job to do. I'm hired to teach fifth grade or seventh grade math, or where do I find the time to do all of this? So my experience as an educator is very much built around and founded on my experience as a student and making my way through there. And it's pretty interesting when students start to lay that foundation, when they start to have and experience that sense of agency, it's really powerful to recognize because I didn't, I just did not have that experience in the classroom. Yeah, I had a very similar experience and I was nodding quite a bit as you were going through your introduction because I felt the exact same way growing up. And I think that experience I never forgot as a teacher. And I want to make sure that the students that were entering my classroom didn't have the same experiences that I did. I was wondering if you felt the same way of, you know, wanting to change education or change your classroom to make it so it wasn't a similar place that you felt growing up. Yeah, absolutely. That motivated me in a profound way. And I can say this when I kind of had that epiphany, like, oh, I totally know what that kid's feeling right there. Like I, it brought me back in some ways, kind of in a visceral way. But I, it, it motivated and like it lit a fire. It was like a creative fire. Like, why didn't anybody talk about this in my credential program? And I have a, a master's degree in cross-cultural pedagogy. And I'm working with all of these multi-language learners from Central and South America. And like, I'm supposed to be the person that knows and I don't. And I don't feel like I was exposed to some of this work. Now, looking back, I know that I certainly wasn't in my education. So yeah, it just motivated me in a way that content never did and still to this day never does. That's not to suggest that, that content or curriculum, it's not absolutely paramount, but it's just secondary to this more foundational conversation. How do we start to hone and develop the capacity in our, in our students? And that, again, that's not to suggest that engaging lessons and content and curriculum and well-written standards are all super important. I've just always seen them as secondary and I've, this work, I just was consumed by it in a good way and still am very much like this is, this is what it's all about. And then we can talk about the other thing. Mitch, you had talked about executive functioning skills and for our listeners that may have heard the term, but don't really realize what that entails. Do you mind kind of given your yeah. interpretation of, you know, those skills and what you were trying to do in the classroom with your students? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question, Josh, and a good place to start. The The term, you know, is an umbrella term in a lot of ways. And so what I've done is specifically tried to look at what research has shown in, in that kind of education lens or vertical, if you will, like, what are the skills and habits that students need to be successful, whether that's a traditional classroom context or not, but more successful with whatever they're trying to learn? And so specifically with my work, there's, we lean in heavy to working memory, planning and time management, organizational skills, self-regulation, accountability, and goal setting. When you look at those skills and habits, that it makes a distinction, well, they're, they're content agnostic, they're grade level agnostic. And we all know these 
transversal competencies, they're the things that we use every day in life, right? Whether that's your personal life, your professional life. So that's really what these skills are. I've never met a teacher anywhere in the country or outside of the US, around the world, that wouldn't want their students to develop some of those skills. I've never met a parent that's like, yeah, no, I don't want my kid to set goals or learn how to organize themselves. Like everybody has recognized these as foundational, but historically they've just been left up to chance. And, you know, there's research clearly indicating that skills formally learned by students on their own, we have to teach now. The pandemic and this is a silver lining to a global pandemic, there really does seem to be, from my conversations, this global shift in like, how do we do this? How do we teach these skills? We can't just wait anymore and hope that students pick it up as they're, they're going through life. Yeah, that's so true. And I know you work with teachers all over the country through Organized Binder. And I'm curious, you know, if there's someone that's listening to all the skills that you just listed and they're like, yes, especially after the pandemic, I see it. There's an immaturity here. There are skills lacking. We need this in the classroom. You know, how do you go about to teach executive functioning skills in the classroom? Good question. One of my favorite questions. Interestingly, and, and then maybe ironically, I'll host webinars that are titled how to teach executive functioning skills. And the first thing I say on the webinar, or if it was an organized binder training as well, these skills aren't actually taught in the traditional sense of the word and that kind of didactic sense that executive functioning skills are best learned by students when, when there's clarity, it's always the first step. And the way we achieve the clarity is when students see them modeled and they get daily practice employing them within the context of what they're learning, whether that's a grade level or a specific subject. In other words, they're, they're not best learned when it is a curriculum. So one way to maybe unpack that is to say, look at goal setting. Like we could provide teachers with a unit or a lesson on, on goal setting and the importance of goal setting, how you could possibly set goals. And so we're gonna learn about goal setting. That's a very different experience than setting goals in my seventh grade math class. The goals that I set as a learner in certain disciplines or certain grade levels might change over time as I'm changing or as I approach a certain subject area. And so within the context, so let's set goals with an actionable daily task and then let's look for evidence. Is it, is it having an impact? Do I need to adjust that? So that's kind of what I mean by within the context of, of what we're learning. The key to this work, you have that clarity piece. The reason organized binder exists is that that's the model, color-coded, tactile, yes, paper and pencil, analog tool for modeling the use of these skills and teachers are implementing a predictable routine, how we begin, how we transition, how we conclude. So it's not interfering with academic freedom or a teacher's time, even time. It is a very small time footprint in the classroom, but by virtue of engaging in this learning routine, this classroom routine with my classmates, I get practice with these skills. So every day, just by virtue of the routine, I'm practicing time management, practicing keeping a calendar. I'm learning to organize myself and all of it is being modeled. So I'm seeing it while I practice, 
but it's all kind of the air we breathe because even though I might be in physics in 11th grade or in my fourth grade, whatever class, like it's within the context of that subject or curriculum. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. A word that you brought up earlier that stuck in my head was habits, like creating those good habits for our students, because a lot of times we just assume they have these skills and most often they don't. And it's something that we need to make sure that we are consistently going over as far as those skills. So you talked about organized binder a little bit within that answer. I want to go a little bit further as to what it is. I saw you guys on social media. It kind of piqued my curiosity. So I was kind of digging a little bit deeper and that's how I found you, Mitch. But, you know, I felt like, oh, these are things that definitely need to be placed in the classroom. But I want to know, like, when you are working with a teacher or a school, what does organized binder do to increase those executive functioning and skills for the students. Yeah. So our training is all about strategies and, and equipping teachers, like I said, with this routine. Where our materials come in is that's that clarity piece. It also makes it, it's everything a teacher needs because it dovetails or is hand in glove with whatever a teacher is already doing, their content or curriculum. Like it's not interfering or even necessarily changing that. We want to provide them with all of the materials to reduce as much friction around implementation as possible. So that we, we call it the student bundle and they get one for every student. And it's all the organized binder materials that they need for the school year. Now, when you look at the strategies, though, when we look at the routine, and if you have a visual on an organized binder, it's all color coded for nonverbal visual cueing in the classroom. And that's meant for students with learning differences or multi-language learners, the cognitive energy that students will spend just navigating school for many learners, not all, but for many, and I would say a lot more of them post-pandemic, they're burning mental calories just trying to keep up with instruction or when I'm new to middle school, let's say, and now I'm in an environment where I go class to class to class to class. And if all those classes have a different expectation, a different way they function, all that... I, the cognitive load is heavier for those students. And so what Organized Binder does with those materials, for example, we, have, we, we start with something called a kickoff, which is like a, a beginning routine. And that's behind the B tab and it's white. That's projected in front of the class. And so there's all that clarity piece around. I walk into this class and it's like, oh, I know before I even arrive, I know exactly what to do to successfully engage with my peers. Right. I might be struggling with the content or the stuff we're learning because that's part of the educational journey for anybody, but I just know what to do to engage and I'm held accountable around that expectation. Right. The next step, it's green. So when we look at the materials, it's, it, it makes it easier for a teacher to roll it out, but it brings that, that clarity piece. And as silly as it might sound, the simple binder in, in conjunction with the routine significantly reduces cognitive load for students. And we know that there's a capacity there. And the more we, we tax working memory, there's less available to kind of, you know, working memory is this, this ability to kind of hold thoughts or what I've learned or experienced and kind of, kind of basically think of it as short-term memory. And there's a capacity to that. 
And the more I can utilize it, or I like to use flexing our working memory, and the more kind of practice I get with that, then I'm actually, it's what's helping transfer things into my long-term memory. But if I'm burning those mental calories, just trying to keep up because I speak a different language. So I have this translation piece and I was just at this class and now I'm at this class. Like, there's a, there's a fatigue there that we can help students. We can lighten that load and help them focus those calories on what they're trying to learn. Yeah, it's hard in middle school, especially those little sixth graders coming in and having to transition class to class. And like you said, every classroom, every teacher has different expectations and different routines in the classroom. And to have that so clear for them, I can only imagine it, it creates a safe learning environment for them, but then also cuts down on anxiety of just the day for them and right. pushing that aside. I, I can imagine the results are pretty powerful. They are, you know, can talk data from this work over the last 15 years. And it always is fascinating to me because there's results and gains and test scores and all that. And we're not talking content or curriculum. It's interesting. You could focus in on this work and you see subject area gains, but we're not necessarily talking about the content or curriculum. And there's, you know, I, I may just be getting old, but I'm now at an age where teachers that I don't know are reaching out to us at Organized Binder and saying, I was at a school that used this program and they all, there's a through line in that they, they speak to how it felt to go from class to class and know exactly what to do, right? I would argue they probably don't even remember their grades. They probably don't remember, most of us don't remember a whole lot of what we learned. We remember relationships, right? But they, they just this feeling of that. And that's that agency piece. Like, I know what to do. That's what I didn't experience. And it sounds like you, you can get around that too. Like to where they're reaching out and saying, I'm recognizing the same in my kids. How do we bring this program to my classroom or to my school? And that shared piece, Josh, I'll just, if I could speak to that a little bit, you know, Hattie's effect size, if you're familiar with any of that work, and, and most of us are, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. But what always consistently ranks in the top one or two impact is collective teacher efficacy. And when we look at rallying around as a staff or a grade level, like collectively, we're going to do this work. We're going to share this for the sake of our students. And it gives something to rally around for collective teacher efficacy. And sometimes that could be a different program or initiative at a school. And what I've seen with this routine, like we're all going to do this for the sake of our students. And it's going to have obviously this reduction in, uh, on the cognitive load and help set teachers up for success. So it can, it can kind of make that a reality at a school. And that's what these kids are, are, are now adults. Teachers are, are speaking of their experience, which, which I'm really proud of, got to say. Well, I'm also proud to say that you've got a brand new book coming out. I do. I do. <laughs> I am proud too. Yeah. Well, Come I want to talk about that because it's coming out, I think, mid-October-ish. Pre-order. Pre-order. Yeah, good yes. memory. Pre-order. Okay. And then it'll be on the shelves, as I guess you say, and I think it's early February it awesome. comes out. But you awesome. could, it's it'll be available October. Well, let's talk about that. So for those who are interested in learning more, like what's the book about and why did you decide to jump into the authorship waters <laughs> and write a book? Oh, that's a funny story. A good friend of mine and now almost like a dear mentor, Ariel Curry, 
who's worked in publishing and editing on the in the education space for a long time. We our paths cross because of Danny Bauer at Better Leaders, Better Schools, a mutual friend of ours. It's his Yes. birthday today, by the way. Oh, wow. I'm going So to have to reach make out sure to you him. reach out. Yep. So people over the years have been like, you need to write a book. And I'm like, I'm not writing a book. I don't want to write a book. I want to do this work. I want to go to schools and districts and I'm not writing a book. So she, for whatever reason, we kind of struck a deal where I was going to help her kind of do some mentoring around uh, a business idea she was developing at the time. And, and she said, you have to write this proposal. You ha just have to do it. I'll give you some pointers. And I agreed and drugged my feet for a long time and eventually got a proposal together and sent it in thinking like, I'm, I just don't fashion myself a writer. Right. And it was like, they were ecstatic about it. Like, wow, this is fantastic. And I was like, okay, what's that mean? And they're like, we want to sign you and working with Corwin. And it's been a fantastic experience. And the, the, the idea of the book is really much of what we're talking about, but what are these strategies for teaching executive functions? And so really looking at, okay, what does that clarity piece mean? What does it mean to model these? And how do you establish a routine? And this is not an organized binder training guide, right? It's not that at all. So really it's been, it's been fun for me because I founded Organized Binder over 15 years ago. And so I've talked about breathing air, right? I've been doing this work for a long time. And in the last few years, it's evolved to, okay, well, if, if it's not an Organized Binder um, school or district or whatever program, let's say, how do we focus in on the strategies around that? So it's, it's really kind of teasing that out My research, not so much around research for executive functioning skills, but, but research of books that are on the topic tend to be, and just and this is from my exploration, tend to be very much in the special education world, one, and two are just thick. Like they're, in other words, and I don't mean that like it's a long book. I mean, just like it's so like either like true deep dive in the research or strategies that might work in a setting that's not gen ed where I have, you know, a fifth grade teacher with 30 kids, or I'm a high school teacher with 150 plus. A lot of them are like, oh, that's a great idea. I could never do that. And so my goal was to really create something that's tier one, that's gen ed for not, not only gen ed, but for all teachers, but something they could pick up and read And the next day, start to implement some strategies in the classroom. So the research is there. The data is there. I like to think of it as a very teacher-friendly manuscript. And what I mean by that is every teacher I've ever met, one thing they're not looking for is something else to do. Like everyone's lacking for time, right? So I want it to be applicable for them. Yeah, Yeah. man, I'm super excited. I'll be the first one pushing the buy now pre-order. You know, All right, pre-order. man. I can't wait. Then, I'm right. I'm making a note. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> please, right here. please. I'll uh, I'll make sure I take a photo of the book and share that out with my audience. Appreciate I want to talk it. about free resources because I love providing those to my my listeners. And you have Yeah, me something too. coming up here right before school starts. It's a free webinar, and Yep. I'm just curious on. what the topic's going to be and how people can sign up for that free resource. You got it. Yeah. I periodically host free webinars. They almost always focus on how to teach executive functioning skills, all the things we're talking about. 
And the next one is, like you said, it's August 1 for most schools. That's before school starts. And if not, right at the beginning of the school year. So Monday, I think it's a Monday. August Tuesday. 1st, Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday, August 1, everybody. And the timing of it is 8 a.m. Pacific time. I'm based in California. And that's 4 p.m. British summertime. And we've kind of alluded to worked in the U.S. for a number of years and internationally starting to do some work which is really fun, but tried to land a time that anybody in the US, in the UK, Europe and African time zone, sorry, Australian time zone, New Zealand folks will we'll get to you, but making it kind of time zone friendly, it'll be probably about 45 minutes. And we'll take a as deep a dive as we can in 45 minutes into these strategies for teaching executive functioning skills. So, and it's super easy to join. Just go to organizebinder.com slash EF as an executive functioning. I'm sure it'll be available here as well, but it'll just a free RSVP page. Awesome. Yeah, I'll make sure yeah. that that link is in the show notes. And then of course, it'll be on my website, joshsamper.com. If you want to click on that, you'll obviously get a free webinar and uh, probably a great starting place for a lot of folks if they don't Absolutely. have any background on this topic yep. please come and learn and i can promise you as i said about that book josh like the webinar is the same thing like takeaways that you can start implementing right away perfect so with organized binder i know we've talked about that today as you know being a, a program that can be implemented in the classroom or on a campus level so if someone is like yes we need this right away I need to contact Mitch or I want to look on your website. Like what, where can people find more information about what you provide through your company? Yeah, of course, you know, you can go to organizedbinder.com, check out the little it's an intro video on the homepage. And then there's specific, you can just follow the links in the header. If you are that person and you want to learn more, just email me. I would love to set up a time and jump on a Zoom and, or a phone call and answer any questions you might have. And that's, I'm easy to find too. I'm just Mitch at organizedbinder.com. Again, that'll be available in the show notes, but that would be a great place for an exploration. And then anybody who wants to join different from this executive functioning webinar, because that's not about making that distinction between our program, which is includes materials and things like that. And Hey, let's just talk strategy, right? So if you want to join an organized binder webinar or join me for a one-on-one -on -one introduction to the program, I would love to do that. And Mitch is super accessible. So he's not lying. Like you can reach out and he'll definitely yeah. be with you. So absolutely. For all of my guests, I have them answer some actual items, right? I, I love that folks are consuming wonderful stories and hearing about you know, like what you were talking about, executive functioning skills and how to implement that in the classroom. But I also want folks to take action. So if there's something they could do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? I love that question, by the way. You know, and, and I'll answer it from kind of my lens or through my work and seeing in working with schools, there's absolutely no question that it all comes down to leadership. I can say that with absolute confidence. I'd argue with anybody that wants to see it otherwise, and most of us don't. Although uh, oftentimes the initiative or the program or some of the work really is happening in the classrooms or with students. But I've seen now time and time and time again, successful implementation of Organized Binder. And I've experienced the opposite of that. And the, the defining factor is, is leadership. So 
from my work, when I when we look at that that collective teacher efficacy and the impact that can have on the culture of the campus, student success, but offering teachers something, even if it's not my program or this work around executive functioning skill, this idea of the collective, the shared, you know, for us, the shared routine, recognizing that what I teach, how I teach, when I teach is all completely individualized and should be. I really do believe in that. But we can have something in common that we rally around, which we know just has a significant impact. So that also leaders out there listening, I'm, I'm not a school leader. I've never been a principal. I was a, a ED of a nonprofit before going in the classroom. So as an executive director, I wore a lot of hats and I decided after that, I'm never going to be a school leader as long as I live. So I have nothing but kudos and mad respect for all of you. But there's something about, you know, finding a, a program, whether from the inside or, or not, maybe from the outside, that aligns with goals, clearly has shown to meet the needs of students that, that you have in the room. And having that be a shared thing with staff, I just... I've seen it have such a significant impact on culture, the shared language, just the way school happens on campus. I completely agree. I've seen powerful initiatives grow or be killed by leadership. So what you're saying definitely resonates and I, I couldn't agree Good. more. Mitch, I definitely want folks to connect with you immediately. So I know we talked about organizedbinder.com. Um, but if there's any other way that people can connect with you on social media, how would they do that? So almost all social handles are at Organized Binder. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You could look up Mitch Weathers. Um, but yeah, Twitter is at Organized Binder. There's a Facebook page. There's an Instagram page. Uh, we're not on TikTok. I don't fully understand that yet. But What I'm about kidding. Threads? That <laughs> just came out. <laughs> I did. Man. So I was just going to say this. Everybody listening... If you happen to know me, you're chuckling to yourself right now. But if you're reaching out to me on social, um, just be patient with me because I'm not on social all that much. I'm try <laughs> I try to be, but I just find it incredibly boring. So I I'm um, for the both of us, buddy. I, I think okay, I'm, good. I've logged enough hours. <laughs> it's I'll tell a story real quick. The this educator and now friend who's doing her dissertation, first grade teacher, reaches out on Twitter. It's like tagging me, hey, you know, direct messaging me. I, I think either joined a webinar, or somehow heard about Organized Binder and, and executive functioning skills. And finally, after like weeks, went through and so the organizedbinder.com, went to the contact us link and filled in a thing like, I'm so sorry to email directly, but I'm, I really want to meet with Mitch to talk about this stuff. And I went back to my social. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I need to look at this every day. So just be patient with me, but I'll, like, oh, I'll, that's I'm, how that I'm works. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a learning curve for us all. Trust me. Right. So right. that's awesome. Yes. Mitch is much better about checking his social media. So definitely jump on there, follow him on all of those different things. We've got that in the show notes. And of course on my website. So Mitch, I just love talking with you, man. It's been such a joy the last Thanks, like month here, just too. getting to yeah. hear your story. And uh, I feel like I've learned so much about what you do and, and how you're impacting so many educators, not only in the United States, but like you said, around the world now, which is phenomenal. And I Crazy. just thank you for all your work and for being on this podcast. Thanks, Josh. I really appreciate it, man. This has been fun. It's an honor to be on here.